But there have been a lot of really tough moments. I have sacrificed a lot, and as anyone does when they're really trying to go after something. But they said to me, although it's really important to talk about the good times, it is also equally as important to talk about the tough times because you sharing that information, you painting the picture can help someone that is you know, coming after you and going through maybe a similar experience. Maybe you can give them nuggets of information of how you overcame things, but also give them comfort in knowing that it's hard and that's normal, (laughs) that just the struggle is normal and that you're going to be okay. Hey everyone, it's Holly here and I'm extremely excited for this episode. I have my co-host, Annie, and the amazing boss babe, Iman, the founder and starter of Kettish. Hi. Thank you, ladies, so much for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, welcome. I'm so excited to have you on the show. We did um, episode two, which was Entrepreneurs or Businesswomen in Dubai with Kelly Marie Hodgkin. And then we were like, we got to do part two with Iman, the Kelly babe. <laughs> um, for those who are not familiar with Iman, she is breaking down barriers and igniting conversations for feminine wellness. Iman is the founder of the powerhouse Dubai made brand Kettish. Yes, that's me. Oh my gosh. Aww. Every time I hear that, I'm like, mm, pinch myself. You've smashed it, girl. Yeah, it's been a journey to say the least. I want to start from the very beginning though. I want to know what brought you to Dubai and how everything started. Right. I know that's a very, very long story to fit yeah. in this podcast. <laughs> I'll try to I'll try to break it down so it's simple. I have been in Dubai since 2016, October of 2016. I never thought that I would live somewhere outside of the U.S. Uh, I always thought like Cali girl through and through. I was very happy with my California life. Um, but an opportunity came up that I couldn't really refuse. I feel like I kind of manifested it. Uh, but at the time before I moved to Dubai, I was working for Sephora in the States. Super beauty obsessed. I remember it was maybe like eight months before I moved. I had started my own beauty blog. Like I just wanted to talk about beauty and I was all about beauty. When I was working for Sephora, I became really obsessed with a particular brand. It's called Huda Beauty. And I ended up coming to Dubai on a vacation. My sister lived here at the time. And this is about maybe 10 months before I moved here. And while I was here on vacation, I ended up meeting the founder of Huda Beauty. um, And yeah, fell in love, wanted a piece of the brand, wanted to be a part of it. I ended up asking her for a job like a month later. (laughs) And nine months later, I was packing everything I owned into like three suitcases and moving from California to Dubai. So, and I mean, I love it here. I never thought, I told myself two years, I'm just going to do this two years and I'll move back home. And here I am six years, <laughs> six it's years always later. always the opposite. I feel like people who come for a short period of time always stay for longer. Right. They end up like staying for like 20 years or something, <laughs> like literally planting their roots. Yeah. And I think I always, I always try to imagine what my exit plan would be like. And I, ha- I haven't gotten there yet. I miss home all the time, but there's just something really special about this place. And I think now that I have been here a while, I've kind of settled down roots. I've now started this brand. 
I can't imagine my life without a, a tie or an, an anchor to Dubai. I really, I really love it. Oh, and Cali is so far away from Dubai. And do you go home much? I used to go home a lot more like pre-COVID. I've only been home once since COVID. And actually, the, the last time I went home, it was last winter for Christmas. I was so excited. I hadn't seen my family and friends for two years. And I land... I had four days of like really living it up and then I got COVID for the very first time. And I was oh no. bedridden. Got COVID bite. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was I think it was the universe just telling me to lay down. So last time I was home, I was literally in isolation and bedridden for ten days, which was like the majority of my trip. So I can't wait to go back and do it all over again. Aww. Hopefully in a couple of weeks. Get your Cali, Cali fix. Yeah. <laughs> now I have to ask you from the very beginning of moving to Dubai, obviously you joined a beauty brand out here. How did you start your brand and the journey of Kethish? Yeah. So do you want to know like the whole backstory? Like what inspired or? Yeah. yeah I guess I'll start from. I think I'll it's really empowering. It's a beautiful yeah. story that beautiful. we have to share with our listeners. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So Kedish is the culmination of my entire experience as a woman, learning and exploring and discovering my body, but also the challenges that I've been faced with, not only with my feminine health, but also as a young Arab Muslim woman where, you know, the, the topics of body and intimacy and pleasure are really still very much taboo. So I grew up in a really strict Arab American home. My family didn't really talk about pleasure and like dating was a no-no. We still don't say tampons in, <laughs> in our household. My mom still can't bring herself to say the word. And so a lot of what I did learn about my body was either in school or through my own firsthand experience. And when I was 21, I decided to go get a gynecological exam for the very first time. I had been active, if I can say, for, for a couple of years. And I remember my girlfriends, I was away at school and college, and they encouraged me like, oh, there's a clinic on campus. Like, you should just go get checked. So I went, and it was a result of my very first gynecological exam, my very first pap smear, that I was diagnosed with cervical cancer. Oh and it was caused by HPV, which is um, a sexually transmitted virus. And yeah, I just remember my entire world kind of turning upside down. And I think that experience, it was super challenging, but I, I really thank God for it because it really turned me on to the importance of my feminine health. Like, I think we're so, I mean, especially at the age of 21, you think you're invincible, nothing can happen to you, and to kind of be like slammed in the face with C word, it was heavy. It was and really the C word like meaning cancer, cervical cancer. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think with the gynecologist and things like that, I think everyone has the fear of going. And when I moved to Dubai, in the UK, you don't go, I think, until you're 25 or something. And everyone kept saying to me, oh, have you ever gone to a gynecologist? And I would always say, oh, I wouldn't do that until I'm 25, you know, because right. that's what I grew up thinking. And it is that fear, but also the cervical HPV count, it is actually quite common for mm -hmm. people to have you know to also receive a low count on that isn't isn't it so if you have listeners that are listening now and they've come back with those results or mm -hmm. they've received something you don't automatically have to be scared right exactly there's 81 different strands of the of the hpv 
virus. There are only a select few that can lead to cancer and for that cancer to be dangerous. And it's, it's just really important to be aware. It is quite common for, you know, if you are sexually active to contract the virus and usually your body will just fight it off. There's nothing really to be for most strands, there's nothing really worth, nothing to be really concerned about. But there are those select few that can that can lead to complications, and it's not just cancer; it can lead to other to other things too. There could be genital warts, and you know, contracting more infections. It it just depends on how your body reacts to it. There are vaccines that can help protect you. Um, I just recently got the HPV vaccine in my 30s, which a lot, there's a big misconception nowadays that, you know, the, the vaccine is only for young women between the ages of like 14 to 24, but they've now extended that age to the age of 45. That's incredible. I never even knew that. Yeah. And going back to when you got the results, so you received the results, obviously really scary. You're very upset how did you approach it with your parents did you tell them yeah so I actually decided to not share with my family at the time I actually didn't share with them for a very long time (laughs) until recently and part of the reason why I didn't want to share with them was it it had a lot to do with our culture Mm. there is you know, this idea. And and I think for me, I always felt a lot of pressure to, you know, be a good girl, to impress my parents, to follow the rules, to make sure that, you know, I was abiding by the constructs of our culture. And and yeah, premarital intercourse is a huge no-no. And I think a lot of the reason why I didn't want to share with them was because I was scared of disappointing them or I didn't want to make them feel ashamed or it, it just... I, I didn't feel I didn't feel like it was the right thing to do, and maybe now looking back, I wish I would have shared with them because I think I robbed them of that opportunity of being able to support me and to be by my side through the process. Um, I was very lucky in my diagnosis where they were able to ca- um, catch it earlier on, where I didn't have to go through chemo. I did have to go through two rounds of cryosurgery to remove the the cancerous area on my cervix. But yeah, I, d- I decided not to share with them. And I think that's a, that's something that a lot of women, I don't even want to say just in Middle Eastern Muslim cultures do, but a lot of women tend to hide or not share these aspects of their lives or lifestyle decisions with their family. And I think a lot of that ha- has to do with fear of you know not being accepted. 100%. And I think the older generation of mindset, like intimacy and everything you're discussing like I remember the first time I I got my period I would never tell my father or or my brother or it was like I was even embarrassed to tell my mom right I don't even know why right it's the most weird I'm from the most loving family there is it's just I just had this like stigma and fear around it and and we're not a religious family either I think it's like certain I call it table talk like you don't mention things and I don't know why there's like this shame associated with it when it comes to aspects of feminine health that are such natural parts of the things that we go through, like a period that we still tend to feel ashamed or embarrassed by. Yeah. And I think that going through like my experience, I learned that through other women that like I would then share, you know, my experience with them. And I and a lot of girls would tell me, yeah, I, you know, I'm embarrassed of this or I, I don't always know what products to use for this. And I think that's a lot of the reason why, you know, what led me to this point of creating this brand. I realized 
with my diagnosis and with all the things that was happening like to my body that I was really uneducated. And I, I grew up in California where we went through, you know, sexual health, health education and mm-hmm. I still didn't know a lot of things. And I wanted to, and it took me years to get to this point, right? My diagnosis was in 2009. I didn't start working on Kedish until 20... 2018 um, is when I first started thinking of it. And I wanted to create the brand that I wish I had during my experience, whether it was, you know, credible products, effective products, safe products, or just like a place where I could go and learn or talk to other women about what I was experiencing and what my body was going through. It's very much an educational platform. Like I follow your Instagram account and I've shared many stories, especially around like, breast cancer awareness and like so many things I just didn't I didn't know about right because you're just not you're not told or informed and it's your own body and things you don't think of but can as sad as it sounds you could be sitting there hearing the c-word or or something even worse you know it's it's frightening and a lot of what we did learn in school like if you remember there was just a like I think that part of the curriculum it was like two weeks (laughs) and a lot of what we did learn it was either you know how to get pregnant how not to get pregnant yes you do get pregnant all of the horrible things or sorry if you do decide to have intercourse all of the horrible things that can happen to you Mm. it was all very like fear-based worst case scenario we never learned about things like hormone health Or, you know, if you do decide to take birth control, what happens to your body? Or, you know, if you do get pregnant, what postpartum is and prenatal care. Like you, we did not learn about these topics that actually affect us. And so if you do follow us on Instagram, you'll see that we, we tend to talk about a multitude of different topics. A lot of it is feminine health, intimate health based, but we also talk a lot about, um, body positivity self-worth, you know, having women really truly understand the value of their bodies, regardless of what it looks like and what it feels like at that moment in time and how important it is to care and nurture your body. It's a really powerful brand. And I think the thing that I, one of the things that I love about Ketish is you're giving back to everyone. You know, Mm -hmm. that's an amazing, generous thing you're doing. And I don't think you realize how many people you touch and you can also just one share of a post or one thing that you put on your social media can help someone. And even listening to this podcast, I wanted to ask you actually, so going back to when you were diagnosed or when you were going through everything, what piece of advice would you give a listener if they were worried about you know talking to their parents about intimacy or I don't know they're going through something and they're kind of thinking you know it's a tough subject or how to approach yeah how to approach it I think or what advice would you have changed or you know something you can give back to the listeners I would say you know I understand that everyone's comfort level with these topics it's tough right you sometimes you have to allow people to be where they're at with it and I think I I had to accept that with my family and my parents. Now looking back, I'm able to talk to my family and my parents about anything and everything. And I think a lot of that has to do with me building this brand and kind of opening up the channels of communication. I would say for people listening, you know, if your family, if your parents are not people that you can go to, find someone 
And if it's not someone in your community of friends or maybe a teacher or a family, uh, like a relative of some sort, then come to us, like DM me, <laughs> talk to me, ask I me. I think what's important to know is that you, you shouldn't be ashamed or scared or embarrassed about something that's going on with your body because some of these things, like we as women, we carry all of our reproductive organs on the inside of our body. So oftentimes when something is wrong, we're given indication, but sometimes it's a little, you know, it takes time for it to signal to, to us that something's going on. So if you do have a concern, if you are experiencing something and you don't know who to turn to, you can always turn to us. Love that. So it's a movement, really. That's what I, I see it as. Like, it's so much more of like, yes, you have a business, you're a successful entrepreneur, you've been on Forbes magazine, like, you are a boss babe, like, you're killing it. But you also, like, every time I see you're doing a talk or you're educating women. Did you do something in schools recently? Have I just made that? We're working on something. Oh, okay. exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I know you mentioned that at a, yeah. an event yeah. um, which you spoke at, which is absolutely incredible. So I want to know and go back to the exciting part about how you founded Kettish. And yeah. you said, obviously, there was a couple of years in between your diagnosis and actually found, like finding the brand. And I want to know, what was your kind of like light bulb moment? Where were you? What were you doing? How, how did it come about? Right. I think I've always had a dream of having something of my own and kind of being my own boss or creating something that I was really, truly passionate about. I just didn't know what that was. And I'd spent a lot of time in my previous role working for a female entrepreneur who was building her own brand. And I got to see really up close how she took a vision and made it into something really huge and magical and, and impactful. And at the time... Her name's Huda Katan. She uh, has Huda Beauty, and at the time she was starting an investment firm in which she talked about starting a fund that she wanted to invest in female entrepreneurs. And I remember watching that video and thinking like, huh, that's interesting. <laughs> I wonder. And it took me a couple weeks, and I remember I was away on, biz on a business trip, and it, it was in Milan. And I remember my, my brain just like woke me up. It was maybe like five o'clock in the morning. And all these ideas just started rushing to me. And I still have the note in my phone. It's like, <laughs> you know, branding, uh, black, white, gold, like sexy, powerful. I remember writing down the name, the quickie, writing down the name of another product that I can't talk about yet. And just all these ideas started to rush to my brain. I just started to write them down. And I think that's when I realized like, okay, I need to put together a business plan. Like this could be something. And I took some time, took a couple of months actually, just talking to people, asking them what they thought about, you know, a feminine wellness brand or intimate care products or, you know, what their experiences were with products that were currently on the market. And I think what was so magical about those conversations and still what I experience to this day now that Kedish is here and alive and breathing is every time I have a conversation with a woman about products or anything that has to do with feminine health, they always have a story or an experience to share. And it becomes this really like beautiful conversation where we're able to kind of share and exchange and talk about our experiences with our feminine health. And I think that's what really drove me to want to start the brand is that I felt like there was such a need, maybe not just for product, maybe not just for education, but a need for a place for women to have the conversation. And so yeah, it took a couple of months. I had a business plan. I approached 
my boss at the time. And I don't know what I was thinking. I was like, (laughs) here's this great idea I have (laughs) thinking that, you know, maybe she'd want to be a part of it or maybe, maybe she'd tell me like, cute, get back to work. But she actually decided to invest in the brand and that's when it really started to to take off and And isn't it weird if you hadn't have come to Dubai this would have never potentially happened yeah you know I feel like you're meant to tell your story though I I feel like one way or another you would you would get your story out there maybe this this journeys I think especially because like I don't know what is your culture and your like Egyptian Mm -hmm. K I just love that you've built it in a middle eastern country right like you must have had a lot of hurdles and that's what I really want to ask you is like launching a feminine wellness brand and you put so much information on social platform have you had any backlash from the middle eastern community or any other people I think that's probably been the most beautiful part of all of this I did I I had a lot of fears we were advised prepped um, and, and really, I, I think given some strong direction to be careful, you never know, or, um, watch out for the backlash or, you know, you could get shut down. And I think in my mind, it's already always been there in the back of my mind that we had to proceed with quote unquote caution. But if we went as carefully as we were advised to, I don't think that Kedish would have made the impact that it has and surprisingly or I don't even want to say surprisingly and thankfully it's been so well received we've we have gotten some backlash at times but not nearly as much as I thought we would and I think that that's just indication that it is shifting right the mindset is shifting women are ready for a brand like this we very strategically when we launched we made sure to take a layered approach so when we first launched we only talked about feminine health the body we did not we didn't even touch upon intimacy and pleasure for the first 10 months and that was really very much on purpose we really wanted to lay down the groundwork and have women trust us and feel comfortable with us before we started talking about all the you know, the gushy gushy. Um, And I think that that's worked in our favor, but I also think it's very much an indication that, you know, maybe not everyone is ready for a brand like this and and that's okay, but there are a lot of women that are. And I do think that it is really ironic. My parents bring it up all the time. Like they immigrated from Egypt to the States almost 40 years ago. And then now here I am, 40 years years later coming back to the Middle East and really you know shaking things up for six day yeah it's it's kind of wild but I do think it was meant to happen and I can't imagine me doing it anywhere else than here in Dubai and Dubai gives you those opportunities I think yeah. you know they're accepting to hearing what people need and that is a need it's a requirement it's what people want to see and I think probably the communities especially with amongst women and maybe Muslim women is why don't we need this you know just we need it but we don't want to talk about it but we you know and I think that's what's so powerful behind your products so with your products what was the OG what was the original one yeah so the quickie was definitely the the OG there is another product that I worked that I started working on alongside the quickie that will probably come out 
next year sometime. Ooh. So I can't talk about Ooh. it just yet. Um, but soft launch on yeah. the Buy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be sure to share. I'll be sure to share as soon as I can. But um, please, can you tell the story of the quickie? Sorry. I yeah. think, sorry, I think it's incredible. Of course. So, you know, with all of our products, they are inspired or born out of like a need or a desire of a woman, either my own desire or, you know, what I felt I was missing or someone close to me in, in my life. And with the quickie specifically, I remember uh, one of my girlfriends Hi, Annie. Uh, she she had told me this story that when she was out on a date, uh, and she was notorious for carrying feminine wipes in her in her bag, and these feminine wipes would live in her purse for like if, it seems like decades. She would pull them out, and they were just like crusty and disgusting, Dry. and Got like foundational. Yeah. <laughs> Can't you switch, like, refresh? Anyways, she had told me that she was out on a date. It was her first date with this guy, and she had her purse on the table, and they were, like, talking, whatever, and the the oh, purse somehow got knocked off the table, and it was, like, this poetic moment where the wipe just, like, flung out of her bag, <laughs> and the guy went to go reach for it, and, like, announced to the bar, like, oh, you dropped your feminine wipe, and she was mortified, like, so embarrassed and I remember when she was telling me I died laughing of course but then I thought to myself like wow what you know why why was it so embarrassing and Mm. why why did the guy pick it up and announce it and and laugh when he did like why does it have to be like this and I think that's with the quickie itself we really wanted to give women a product that was like beautiful and sexy and gold and this like wrapped treasure but also something that allowed women to be to remove that shame around like feminine hygiene and how embarrassing, you know, that that could feel, that moment can feel and rather give them a product that like, yeah, it flies out of your purse and you look at them like, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> I uh, love the name. It's such a good name, isn't it? Of a br- I have of a one product. in every bag. Aww, yeah. I'm so happy. <laughs> I think with each of our products, that's the intention is to take an aspect of feminine health, feminine hygiene, feminine wellness, and give women a product that allows her to remove that shame, remove that stigma, but also become a bit more in tune with her body. So for instance, the second product is the potion. It's a soothing body oil for period cramps. And, you know, there's such a negative connotation around periods. It's always like doomsday every month. And we wanted to help women understand and become more in tune with her cycle, but also work to cherish that time of the month and give women a product that allowed her, you know, through touch, a nice warming massage on her lower abdomen, her lower back, get more in tune with what her body was going through and hopefully help her have a more positive experience with her monthly periods. And why the name Ketish? So I wanted a name that tied back into my culture, but I didn't want it to be so like overt. So I started to do a bunch of research and we found that there was an ancient Egyptian goddess by the name of Ketesh. Uh, she is the goddess of love, passion, sexuality, fertility. It's uh, for you. Yeah, literally. <laughs> literally. She like embodied everything that I wanted the brand to embody. And uh, yeah, we decided to take her name and make it, spice it up a little bit and call it Ketish. Ketish is a man Abbas, literally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. Like, Aww. because I knew you before Ketish and you, your expertise is developing products, like, meaning, like, 
you know what you're doing and you have the story behind it of where how you started and combining them too you can just see the success thank you it's incredible it's really fun it's it's definitely been a journey um I think what I'm I've at the beginning I was always really passionate about product and now the coupling that with you know the community the impact aspect it's the education like, yeah it just it makes my heart explode I I really I love what I do and I really feel like it's my purpose um so tell us about a day in the life of Ketish oh gosh <laughs> <laughs> on the spot so boring I was talking to someone a few a few days ago and I was like I my life is no I have a great life I think I'm like full of passion and I, I love, you know, having fun, but I'm also like in bed with my bonnet on at like 9.30 p.m. most nights. Um, Are you a part of a 5 a.m. club? No. Okay. No, <laughs> I have no aspirations to be a 5 a.m.er. I'm, tr- I'm struggling to get to 7 a.m., um, but usually I start my day around 7, 7.30. I try to go to the gym at least like four to five times a week, um, and then... I, yeah, I have my whole morning routine with the coffee and the breakfast and the this and the that. And then I, I start my, I typically start my workday around like 9.30. And some nights, you know, my workday ends at five or six and some nights it ends at 11. It really depends. I am trying to work on balance. And I think that that's something that I've discovered, especially living here in Dubai, is that although we work really hard, like as a community as an expat community we work hard we hustle but we also have a really nice balance of personal life Mm. and friend life and family life social yeah i find that when i go home i'm like are you not going out on a wednesday yeah like no we only go out once a month i'm like what (laughs) or like back home it's reserved for you know friday saturday yes and here it's like Tuesday night, I'm out and about. And I think that that's, that's really nice. And, and I try to have that balance. There was a point in time where I was like not going out and not doing fun things. But now I've, I realized how important balance is to me and my ability to show up as you know a founder, as a friend, as a daughter. Um, so I really try to balance it out. So I work hard, but I play hard too. Good for you, my yeah. love. What <laughs> advice would you give to any other entrepreneurs looking to start a business in Dubai or, or anywhere? I think that what's really special about this place, it really is, you know, a dreamer's city. Uh, like, even if you look at the architecture, it's like, who would have dreamed of, you know, the tallest building in the world or the museum of the future is just like a work of art. And I think that this city really lends itself to the dreamers and to people that really want to make something happen. I would say for anyone that's wanting to start a business, especially one of impact, it is really important to have like a a social or I'm sorry, a digital identity. So like having your social media and really leveraging that, but also getting out there physically in the community is really, really important. And I think that Dubai really lends itself. Like there are a lot of people that crave being a part of a community of some sort and and want that sense of belonging and there are already built in established organizations or you know for me it's like women's groups or you know business groups that you can go to to try your products to talk about your mission and what you want to start and so there's like already like a huge 
you know, it's like your marketing test group is kind of built in. And I've really been leveraging those communities to be able not only to try products, but also to build into to my customer base. Um, and I, I think that I would definitely encourage if you are starting a business, like tap into that. Don't be afraid to network and get out there and meet people because those are your first adopters, your first customers. You've got to stay motivated though, haven't you? When you've got your own business. Yeah. How do you stay motivated? Ooh, gosh. <laughs> Sorry, I really am putting you on the spot today. <laughs> hey, I signed up for this. Um, <laughs> I could be more brutal, but I'm not going to. <laughs> no, I think I think that's the hardest part of being a founder, especially when you're like a solo founder, you're not a co-founder. It is, you have to be self-motivated. And there's a lot of days where, you know, I just wanted to stay in bed or really tough moments that I really just had to pick myself up off the floor literally and keep going and I think that what's important is to always hold on to your purpose to always remember what are your biggest motivations for me I want to help women I want to give women a different experience than I had. I also want to make sure that whatever it is that I am preaching to women, whether it be you know, about body confidence or mental health or your own feminine physical health, that I'm doing the same thing. I'm practicing what I preach. So I go to therapy. <laughs> I work out all the time because I want to take care and pour back into my body and I think that my community and the women around me are, are my motivation, and I, I got to stay good and healthy for them. So I think that's what keeps me, that's what keeps me you going. You found your tribe. Yeah. I'm reading a lot about this at the moment. It's kind of like the people around you are your, like, petrol and your aura. Yeah. And your support. And you don't always realize, you know, how you're impacting people. Like, I'm very grateful. Sometimes during your toughest moments, it's like the universe sends you messages or indication. I literally get DMs from from other women where it's like, I got one the other day where it's like, you don't understand how you've allowed me to be confident in myself again. You know, I was very down about my body because I have PCOS and I was gaining weight and this and that. And she was sharing her experience with me. And... It just meant so much to me that one, she would take the time to share the way that she felt and to give me that praise. But also it made me realize that like you never know who's watching and you never know how you can impact someone. And Mm -hmm. you just got to keep going for for them because you really are making a difference. So I try to I try to remind myself. And when I don't remember, someone usually DMs me and (laughs) Reminds you are me. very special though honestly oh, so yeah. like you are making it yeah you're making such an impact to so many women and I think from loads of women and loads of your followers like just a huge thank you because you give so much back and I think we don't always sometimes sit there and say thank you or you know recognize that and I think as well being an entrepreneur and being a businesswoman, you have to realize if you're starting out, sometimes you think, oh, well, you know, there's a big hurdle, but look back and think how far you've come and what you've achieved and sit there and write it down. And then mm-hmm. you realize okay. you've, you've already achieved so much. And then your kind of passion and what you're thinking and what you're driving, you know, there's always so much more to give. I think Amal's going to have an autobiography. Honestly, I'm, I'm calling it now. It's, docu- <laughs> it's recorded. <laughs> okay, I got a lot to say. <laughs> I've already started taking notes. I I love it. Someone said to me the other day, they said, what you're building is so great. You're so positive. And I am. I I really pride myself on putting a happy face and, you know, just 
getting out there and and continuing to go for it. But there have been a lot of really tough moments. I have sacrificed a lot, and as anyone does when they're really trying to go after something. But they said to me, although it's really important to talk about the good times, it is also equally as important to talk about the tough times because you sharing that information, you painting the picture can help someone that is you know, coming after you and going through maybe a similar experience. Maybe you can give them nuggets of information of how you overcame things, but also give them comfort in knowing that it's hard and that's normal, <laughs> that just the struggle is normal and that you're going to be okay. And so I'm learning ways in which I could be a bit more open about that. Like I talk about it all the time, like, yeah, this is great, but it's also really, really hard. <laughs> yeah. uh, and and it's, it's a part of it. It's part of the journey, you know. What's the vision for Ketish? What's next? Oh gosh, so much. This year has definitely been a year of transition. There's a lot of things that I wanted to do this year that I haven't yet accomplished. And I think this next year is really about growing and continuing to do what we do, but also continuing to tackle other parts of the business that I've always wanted to. So for instance, the plan is to launch more products, some coming very soon, launch more products, grow the team, but also really start focusing on a pillar of the business that I'm very passionate about, which is um, CSR giving back. And so we're trying to find out exactly what that will look like. But really, for me, the vision for Kedish is, is larger than the products and the community, but it really is about giving women access to resources or education that maybe, you know, where they live or where the environment that they're a part of, they don't have access to. So that that's a really, that's a really big one for me. And it'll take us some time to get there. But <laughs> We're going to be standing on the sidelines, rooting you on, rooting you on, cheering for you. Thank you. you. And it's we've spoken a lot about Kettish, but Aman, like what do you get up to? What do you enjoy doing? Obviously you spoke about fitness and things like, where would we see you at the weekend? Yeah, I mean, we're so lucky here in Dubai. Uh, the weather is pretty nice majority of the year except for the hell the hell months of the summer um but I love I love spending time outdoors I mean you can typically find me at the beach I, I always say like if you don't find me in the sun on a weekend I probably didn't spend my weekend right um I also really love traveling I think that that's something that's so special about Dubai is everyone that's here has this like travel bug um, and I think it's because we're so close to other, really other amazing places and parts of the mm. world. I mean, living in California, it's like six hours to New York, you're still in the States, where here in six hours on a plane, you could be anywhere. So I try to travel as much as possible because I, I just feel like it makes my experience like when I'm sitting at a dinner table with someone and they say, oh, I went here a few months ago and it, it allows us to have a strong connection. You also ne explore. never regret traveling. No. Never. You never regret it. Never. You learn something new every time you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, re I really love it. And I think that's what makes Dubai really beautiful is that we are, we're a bunch of little nomads <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> living, living in the desert. And so, yeah, I would say beach and travel are my biggest go-tos. Now, we ask this to all our guests, and it's what advice you would give to your younger self. And you've given a lot of advice so already. <laughs> but if you were so to much. look back. Oh, gosh. I made a lot of mistakes when I was little, and a lot of them had to do with boys. So I would probably <laughs> tell her to, like, not talk to that boy. Um. <laughs> well, maybe not, because that's made you who you are. 
True. Yeah. But I could have done with a cup. <laughs> like I could have done with a couple of less experiences with boys. I would say, you know, don't take yourself too seriously. Have fun and really enjoy the process of getting to know the woman that you are. Like that's a part of the journey. I think for a long time I struggled with you know, being this Egyptian girl, impressing my parents, making my parents happy, but also just trying to like fit into my American life. And I wish I would have like not stressed or, or put a lot of pressure on myself and just allowed myself to like live and be me and, and not really worried about what other people thought of me. Other people's opinions don't matter. It's like, are you making yourself proud? So take the time to get to know you and try to make yourself proud above anyone else. That's a really good piece of advice. And also, I think as well, in addition to that, from myself, I've learned over the years, if your friends are doing it and you don't want to, like, you don't have to follow. Mm, and I right. think it definitely takes quite a few years to kind of even accept that. Yeah. Be you. Be your own person. Because you're enough. And you're special in your own way. Yeah. Be you, do you, for you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. Drop the mic. <laughs> Thank you so much, Aman. So how do we find out? Where do we follow you? Can yeah. you tell us your socials? So on Instagram, we're Kedish, uh, just Kedish. And my personal Instagram is they call me underscore Iman. And if you DM us, you message us. It's me answering. I try to I try to be in the DMs and be connected to people. So if you ever have a question or just want to chat, you can send a message there. Or online, we are at getkedish.com. And we're also sold in Sephora UAE. Love that. Thank you so much. And thank, thank you. you to our listeners. You can follow us on the underscore pod XB on Instagram or TikTok. And I think that was such a lovely episode to get to hear and empower all of the women and the listeners. Thank so you. thanks, Aman. And we will be following to see what products are coming next. Yay. Thank you, ladies, <laughs> so much. Thank, thank you for you. having me.